Praise the Lord, beloved. I greet you today with Jesus' joy. Welcome, welcome, welcome each and every one of you to our brand new Bible study that comes from the Great Awakenings Production Studios here at St. James Missionary Baptist Church. Welcome to our New Testament Word Walk. Uh, a very brand new Bible study that we're introducing as a part of our fall lineup here at St. James Church, where we are taking the time just as we are walking through the Old Testament and have been walking through the Old Testament, we're taking this opportunity to also walk through the books of the New Testament. And I'm certainly grateful and excited about this opportunity, and I'm certainly I'm hopeful that you will take time to join us each and every Thursday, Thursday mornings at 1130 and Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. on all of our streaming sites, as well as the telephone conference line for this time of walking through the word of God. We have made some updates to our studio and we've made some additions to our Bible study program and I want you to connect with us. Uh, we are still in the process of updating our texting uh, facility uh, where you will be able to text and receive the New Testament handouts as you have been receiving the old. But if you see that QR code in the top corner of the screen, uh, you will be able to access uh, the handout. Of course, if you were a part of the Old Testament Bible study mailing list, uh, you are continuing to receive the New Testament as well as the Old Testament handouts. But I am certainly excited. We've got a very exciting lesson that we're going to take on. Uh, we're not going to take the same format with the New Testament word walk as we do with the Old Testament. So far through the Old Testament, we have begun with the book of Genesis and walked our way through each book of the Bible. With the New Testament, we're going to skip around and move around a little bit. And so I want to give you an opportunity. If there are certain books of the New Testament that you would like for us to spend some time in and to walk through, by all means, send that to us. Drop it in the comment section. We'll be found doing that uh, as the Lord leads and the Spirit guides. Um, of course, uh, St. James family already knows we have covered the book of Acts. We've covered the book of Romans um, already and also the book of Revelation. Uh, those are archived and they are available to you on the St. James website. So by all means, if you desire to have those or to go back and review or perhaps listen to some of those previous Bible studies, they are there for you as well. But before we dive into today's lesson, let's take a moment, let's pray, and let's seek God's guidance and God's spirit as we walk through the word of God. Join me now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you now telling you thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your love toward us. Thank you, God, for keeping us throughout the summer months and blessing us to come back together for another opportunity of study and walking through your word. God, I am so grateful. I am so thankful. I am so happy that you have spared our lives this far in this year. And now, God, as we have returned to our regular Bible study, introducing this new Bible study, God, we want you to be pleased 
We want you to be happy. We want you to receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. So right now, God, I ask for clarity of speech and clarity of thought as we will attempt to rightly divide your word to your people, granting to us that anointing to say what needs to be said, to do what needs to be done, that your people will be equipped, empowered, and edified for greater works in your word and in your way. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, we pray and we praise. Amen and amen. So listen, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into uh, our study for today. And looking at um, the books of the Bible and looking particularly at the books of the New Testament, I came across something as I looked at those uh, 27 books of the New Testament. Did you all not know that with each of the books of the New Testament, every book of the New Testament was written to a group of people, a body of believers, a church, or perhaps a nation, except, watch this now, except for four. Except for four. There, there are only four books of the Bible that are written to individuals. And all four of them were written by the Apostle Paul. There were the two letters that he wrote to Timothy. There was the letter that he wrote to Titus. But then there was a fourth one. And that fourth one is the first book that I want to entitle. I want to jump in because there is a very powerful message in this particular letter of Paul to an individual. It is the epistle of Paul to Philemon. I want to spend the next two to three weeks, if the Lord shall say the same, dissecting Paul's letter to Philemon. And so if you have your handout, you're going to see that I'm operating for the next few weeks as we dive into Philemon. I'm operating under the subject matter and the theme, the favor of forgiveness. Forgiveness, I believe, is something that we should talk about. I believe that throughout the pages of the New Testament, we find so many different instances of understanding the concept of forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, during the what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, in his teaching on prayer, winds up the teaching on prayer by saying to them, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you your trespasses. We understand the concept of forgiveness. Jesus in other places throughout the gospel writers talks about the importance of forgiveness, the importance of going the second mile as a means of forgiveness. But there is something in Paul's letter to Philemon that has us to understand that as Christians, as Christian believers, there is favor. Hear me now. There is favor in operating in forgiveness. And we're going to take a look at that as we dive in. We're prayerfully, we'll take two to three sessions uh, to dive into this very short letter of only 25 verses, one chapter, 25 verses in this letter, this epistle of Paul to Philemon. But in today's session, I want to take time to just give us a quick overview of what we're going to look at. And I want to take the time to just basically build the foundation 
of our next couple of weeks of study. So let's get right into it. Already, you already know, I've already shared it with you, uh, that Paul is the author of this letter to Philemon. Paul. Paul is the author, and it is actually believed that he was writing this letter while he was in prison. It was a prison epistle. Now, here's a quick Bible study note that you might want to jot down. And if you're following along in the handout, this is the second statement. This basically lets us know that if it was written while Paul was in prison, it was written about the same time as he wrote to the church of Colossus, the church of Ephesus, and the church of Philippi. So Philemon was written, the letter to Philemon was written about the same time as the other prison epistles. Some people believe somewhere between 60 to 63 AD. So that's what is believed. According to uh, verses 1, verse 9, verse 10, and verse 13 of the letter of Philemon, we know that Paul wrote this while he was imprisoned in Rome, all right? Philemon is a little different, okay? Philemon is different. Philemon is different because Philemon was written, the letter of Philemon was written to one individual. One individual. It was written to the man Philemon, all right? Who was Philemon? That's important, and I think that is important for us to build a foundation. Philemon was, of course, according to the word of God, according to verses 1 and 2, and also according to Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, Philemon was a member of the church of Colossus. As a matter of fact, um, it is actually believed that the church of Colossus actually met in Philemon's home. All right. But in this particular instance, he separates the Colossian letter to the church and writes specifically to Philemon. All right. Um, it is possible. Some folks believe Bible history, uh, Bible commentators, rather some Bible commentators actually teach that Philemon was one of Paul's own converts. Um, it is also believed that he was a slave master. Um, as to how many slaves he owned, the Bible does not tell us that. But we do believe that he was a slave master because the whole point of Paul's writing to Philemon had to deal with the slave Onesimus. Onesimus was one of the slaves or was a slave of Philemon, who we will find out is now identified as a runaway slave. And so now the whole point, the whole foundational piece of this letter that Paul writes to Philemon is to seek Philemon to make sure that he receives Onesimus in a spirit of love and forgiveness as he is encouraging Onesimus to return to his slave master. 
Now, that is the whole foundation of this particular letter that is consisting of only 25 verses, because I need to make sure that we understand that now more than ever, we must remember, the whole point of the letter is to make sure that we remember who we are, who we represent, and how we treat people despite how they treat us. That's the whole message that we find in Philemon. All right. Um, number four from the handout. Let me go back over it again so that you'll make sure that you have um, all of the answers. 4A, Philemon was a member of the church at Colossus. 4B, Philemon was a convert. It is believed that he was a convert of Paul. Um, 4C, we've already talked about it. The fact that he hosted the church of Colossus in his home. And 4D, we believe that if no more than just one slave, he was a slave master. All right. This whole letter is an intimate letter from the Apostle Paul to his friend, encouraging his friend to receive the runaway slave in a spirit of forgiveness. In other words, Paul wants to make sure that Philemon understands that the same love and forgiveness that is shown or has been shown to you, you must be willing to show it to others. May I say that again so that we can catch the whole premise of this letter. The same love and forgiveness that has been shown to us as believers, the same love and forgiveness that is shown to us as Christians, we should be willing to show it to others. Show it to others. Show it to others. All right? The whole purpose of this letter, point five of the handout, as you can see, we're moving right along. The whole purpose of this letter is twofold. There is a primary purpose but there is a secondary purpose. 5A is the primary purpose, to seek Philemon's forgiveness of Onesimus. It is to seek forgiveness of Onesimus. All right? 4B, 5B rather, the second purpose is actually recorded in verses 22, uh, I'm sorry, verse 23, 24 and 25. Paul is also asking um, um, Philemon to provide him a place of lodging after his release from prison. All right. It is actually begun in, 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 in verse 22, but verses 23, 24, 25 is where we actually see the actual request that Paul makes. All right which really gives me and leads me into the meat of our session today. As we deal with this overview, there, there is a, a primary message that we want to get over to us. There's a primary drive that I want to get over to us today as we look at the three things that we should see in the letter of Philemon that we can apply to our own lives. What is the letter telling us? 
What is the message that are telling us? First of all, the first thing that I need to show us is what we see in this letter, number 6A, is a model of Christian courtesy. Whereas we have heard in the, the reading and the writings of the Apostle Paul, where Paul has been sort of strict and sort of a disciplinarian as it relates to church order and church practice and following the teachings of Jesus, the letter of Philemon, according to Dr. Tony Evans, we see a more tender-hearted side of Paul. Dr. Tony Evans describes it as this, we see a tender side of Paul as he pleads with his friend to forgive and reconcile, which helps me to understand, number one, uh, under letter A, under point number six, we see here Paul teaching not only his friend, but I pray that we see as we walk through this passage of scripture, how we as Christians ought handle disagreements among ourselves as brothers and sisters. We ought to see this. What we're going to see here is Paul teaching Philemon and teaching us in the process that now more than ever, we should be kingdom agents of forgiveness that's going to set us up for reconciliation. Let me, let me make it live. Let me make it live. What this letter tells me, beloveds, is healing can come with the right spirit. Healing can come with the right attitude. Healing can come with the right approach. Y'all see what I'm saying? You might want to write that down. Healing can come when you have three things. Number one, the right spirit. You've got to have the right spirit. You've got to have the right heart. You've got to have the right mindset. You cannot forgive and still harbor resentment and bitterness. You cannot forgive holding on to how people have hurt you. You cannot heal. I'm helping somebody. You cannot heal from the hurts that you're harboring if you continue to talk about it and bring it up every time you're in conversation with somebody, the conversation goes right back to how somebody hurt you, how somebody disappointed you. You will never heal when you keep scratching at the wound. You never heal, beloveds, if you never, if you continue to pick at the wound. If I have a wound on my hand where I maybe cut myself and there's a scab there and I start picking at the scab, I can't ever expect that to heal. As a matter of fact, the scab, if it's picked at long enough, y'all ready, will become a scar. And may I tell us, beloveds, that we have got to move and we've got to allow God to allow our spirit to be in a place where we will not have scabs becoming scars. So that's number one. That's the first thing. You got to have the right spirit. Second thing, the right attitude. Mm -hmm. The right attitude. Every time you see this person, does it bring back up? What you've gone through, does it bring back up the bitterness? Does it bring back up how they did you or how they hurt you? You've got to be able to move from that. And so what we see here is Paul telling uh, Philemon, look, you've got to look past what Onesimus has done. I'm not saying that Onesimus is right. And that's the point that we've got to drive here. We're not saying that what a person has done was right. 
But my thing is this. Do you want to dwell on the wrong? Or do you want to move on with your life so that you can live in peace and not in pieces? My friend and sister, Dr. Janae Avon Harris, has a wonderful book out that is entitled Peace is Power. You've got to be able to understand that when you are living in pieces, you are void of power. So when you live in P-E-A-C-E and not P-I-E-C-E-S, then you have the power to move forward. You've got the right attitude to move forward. Yeah, you hurt me. Yeah, you disappointed me, but nothing is more important to me than being happy, healthy, and whole. So I've got to be able, Paul is telling Philemon, look, you've got to be able to remember somebody forgave you. So you've got to remember to pass it on. So you've got to have the right spirit. You've got to have the right attitude. But then thirdly, y'all, we got to have the right approach. Got to have the right approach. How are we approaching things? And that's what Paul is telling uh, Philemon here. How will you approach Onesimus when I'm telling him to return, when I'm telling him to go back? You know, keep in mind, Paul at this point is an old man who is in prison and he is basically telling him, look, as I'm sending him back to you, I need you to receive him just as much as someone received you. So we're looking here, uh, letter, letter number two under 6A, under the model of Christian cur- uh, courtesy. Not only do we learn how to handle disagreements as brothers and sisters, but Paul is going to show us here as Christians how we should practice Forgiveness. Now, let me stop right here and say this, because this is where it's going to hit home. Practicing forgiveness is one thing. All right. There's a difference, if I could put it this way, between practicing forgiveness. Y'all hear what I'm saying? There's a difference between practicing forgiveness and professing forgiveness. We got a whole lot of folk that can profess forgiveness. People are good about professing Forgiveness. Yeah, I forgive you. But let's take a moment to define the word forgiveness or the word forgive. The word forgive in the Greek simply means to reinstate. Mm. The word forgiveness simply means to act as if what has been done to you has never been done before. I need to say that again. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a means of reinstating. I'm going to act as if you never hurt me. And I think about something that I need to make sure that we understand. That's not something that we can do in our own human strength. We need the power of God. We need the presence of God. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. I need God's help to forgive people who've hurt me. And in a moment of transparency, let me be transparent with you. Sometimes that's a whole lot easier said than done. You know, I'm not going to paint this pretty picture that because I'm a Christian, it's always easy to forgive. It's not always easy to forgive, especially when people cut you to the core and when people hurt you to your core. 
And you've got to take some time to heal before you can even move forward. The message that Paul sends to Philemon that I believe renders to the church is simply this. Take the time to heal. Be sure you do heal. And then when you heal, let it go. Amen, somebody. Once you heal, let it go. You are wasting precious time being caught up in how people have hurt you. Let it go. Amen. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Letter B, moving right along on to point six. The three things that we should see in this letter of Philemon that we can apply to our lives. First one was a model of Christian courtesy. The second one is a manifestation of Christian love. You are going to hear me use this word a great deal throughout um, this study, this, this study of this letter. It is the word grace. You're going to hear me use that word a great deal. Grace, grace. When we think about grace, the word grace is defined as compassionate pity. Compassionate pity. Not just pity, but compassionate pity. The manifestation of Christian love that Paul wants to get over to Philemon and even to us is found in knowing how as Christians to operate in the covenant of grace. Number one, under letter B, under 6B, we must understand the covenant of grace, the importance of compassionate pity, to look beyond the faults of others and still be able to love them as Christ loved us. All right. One of the things that I want to make sure that we understand here is that this letter from Paul to Philemon is not necessarily a letter of rebuke because it is believed that Philemon was a good man. All right. It is believed that we're going to see that in this short letter. Paul even saw the goodness in Philemon. All right. But the reality of it is, even though he was faithfulness, even though he was faithful, even though he was compassionate, even though he was a good man, there was still something in his life. There was still an issue that needed to be addressed. And can I tell us, beloveds, and quite honestly and in all fairness, that even the best of us as Christians have issues that we need to deal with. Amen. We got to get past this point of thinking that just because we are saved, we are free from trouble. No, it don't work that way, beloveds. We don't work that way. Paul tells the Roman church, when a would do good, evil is always present to the point that according to Romans 7, he identifies himself, oh, wretched man that I am. I realize that I am an apostle, Paul says. I realize that I am a teacher that is helping the Christian uh, churches that I write to understand their place, their position, their posture, and their priority, but even at that, I still have flaws. I still have issues that I'm overcoming. And one of the things that I believe that this letter tells us is, is that one who is seeking to be more like Christ 
And to live like Christ has to have the strength to confront their issues. Philemon was a good man. He was a faithful man. It's obvious he was a church man because the Colossian church was meeting in his home. But he still had an issue. And that issue was Onesimus, which is a good time for me to tell you now what Onesimus's name means in the Greek. Lord have mercy. This is going to be good. Onesimus's name in the Greek means useful. Useful. Here's a here's a here's a good moment for me to drop this on you. There are some things, there are some people, there are some circumstances in our lives. We need to be able to see the usefulness of having those people in our lives. We need to realize that even though it is an issue, there's something good in that issue that comes out. I think about something my mom used to say all the time. Mama used to always say some mistakes are not failures. They are learning opportunities. You, what's the lesson that you're trying to learn? What's the thing that's going to make you stronger? What's the lesson that Philemon should learn as it relates to his dealing with Onesimus? He should learn how to practice grace, how to practice compassionate pity. Okay, as believers, as people of God, we have got to learn how to practice grace, to show grace, to give grace to one another. We're not going to always get it right. We're not going to always dot every I. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. One of the biggest issues with the church is we are quick to condemn people that God has placed in our lives that we should be showing some grace. Teach JT Worthy. There are some areas in my life, in my life, I can only talk about me so you can't get mad. There are some areas in my life that I now realize are there because God wants to use that to teach me how to love my enemies, how to bless those that curse me, how to do good to those that hate me, and how to pray for those that despitefully you. I've got to learn how to show grace to everybody. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul is saying here. I've got to learn how to show grace. And when I show grace, Christian love, agape, agape love is manifested. But then the third thing that I, I want to see, and I pray that I can get over in the teaching moment, uh, letter uh, C under point number six, the third thing is a monument of Christian conversation. People of God, let me make it live. Let me make it live. Let me make it live. We have got to learn how to talk to one another before talking about one another. Amen. Matthew chapter 18 makes it abundantly clear. Jesus taught the church there that if your brother has over has been in a fault and has offended you, the first person you ought to talk to is the one who offended you. Amen. We can kill a whole lot of confusion with a conversation. May I say that again? We can kill a whole lot of confusion with a conversation. 
if we will just learn to talk to one another. Talk to one another. Instead of talking about me, come sit down and talk to me. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And by so doing, you may realize that oftentimes it has been a misunderstanding, a simple misunderstanding that can be easily resolved with a conversation. That's what Paul is telling Philemon here, you know, in, in, in this particular letter. Paul is basically sharing him and we're going to see it. You know, if you consider yourself connected to me, then I need you to treat him the way I would treat you. Amen. It's a monument of Christian conversation. We got to learn how to get along and to deal with one another. Which leads me to the final piece of the overview. Point seven. Point seven. And it's just a few facts that I want to share with us to help lay the foundation of our study of Paul's letter to Philemon. All right. Point A under letter no, number seven, seven A. Uh, we've already alluded to this, um, that the letter of Philemon was written somewhere between 60 to 63 A.D. Somewhere between 60 to 63 A.D. We've already identified Paul as the apostle. We say he's writing from a prison in Rome. All right. We've already talked about all of that. The key verses, the key verses that are found in the letter of Philemon are Philemon verses 10 and 11. And I want to read those real quick from English Standard. All right. Um, Philemon uh, verses 10 and 11. English Standard Version says this. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I appeal to you for my son, whom I have begotten, he I have received as a spiritual son, while in prison. Y'all see that? While in prison. All right. He came in contact with Paul and believed the gospel. And so now he is a spiritual son because he has received everything. He has received it. All right. Now, the name I told you, Onesimus, means useful. So now in verse 11, Paul is basically saying, he was once useful to you, but now because he's gone, yeah, he's useful. You need him now. You need him for more than just a slave. Amen. And we're going to see that as we walk through uh, this particular letter. All right. Uh, 7C from the handout. What is the key word? The key word that we will see throughout this letter is the word reception. To be able to receive, to receive. Remember, we said that we're gonna see grace. Grace allows us to receive someone after they have wronged us. Amen. So we're gonna talk about that, all right? Letter 7D, what is the key thought? The key thought that we want to see in this short letter of 25 verses 
is understanding how we should be found forgiving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Which brings me to the last piece of the overview. What is the last piece? 7E. How is Christ, how is Jesus Christ seen in this letter of Paul to Philemon? It's found in verses 17 and 18. Jesus Christ is seen as the repayer and the restorer of mankind. Christ paid the debt for our sin. Jesus Christ is seen as the repayer and the restorer. Real quick, let's look at verse 17 and 18. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, look at this, y'all, charge that to my account. Is that not what Christ did for us? Is that not what Christ did for us? In other words, what Paul is showing Philemon is making sure that we understand that we are a family. And as a family, we've got to learn how to look out for one another without holding stuff over each other. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? We got to learn how to look out for one another. If I can't help you, I won't hurt you. Because if I hurt you, I, in essence, am hurting myself. Amen. Write this scripture down. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Jesus says that whatever we do for one of the least of our brothers and our sisters, we've done it unto him. I was hungry. You gave me no meat. I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. I was naked and you didn't even come take care of me. I was in prison. You didn't come see me. You remember what happened. The disciples asked, when did we see you like this? When did we see you naked and didn't come see you? When, when did we see you like this? And Jesus says to him, when you have done this to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it also unto me. We are a family. And that's the whole point that we're going to drive. As a family, we got to forgive one another. As a family, we've got to stop harboring hurt. We got to stop magnifying mistakes. We, we, we got to stop finding fault and let's be found operating in forgiveness. Some people are so bitter and because they're hurt. They have not yet learned how to forgive. They have not yet learned how to let it go. And they will sit and let it fester in them. And the thing about letting it fester, it's almost like having a barrel of apples and you've got one that's got a bad spot in it. And that one with the bad spot starts to rot. You know what's going to happen? That rottenness that's in that one apple is going to spread into the others unless you first deal with that one rotten apple. Let me take it a step further. Once you remove that rotten apple from the barrel, 
then you've got to deal with that rotten spot in the apple in order to spare the rest of the apple. Amen, somebody. I always used to watch my mom very, when I was younger, I used to watch my mom take rotten bananas. They were beginning to rot. They were starting to get soft and they were beginning to get black on the skin in certain places. And my mom would go through and she would pull the skin off of them and she would cut those bad places off of the bananas and then would proceed to mash the good banana up and make what we know as banana nut bread. See, beloveds, when you began to see the good, instead of focusing on the bad, you can find some purpose despite the point of pain. And that's what we're going to see as we walk through this letter of Philemon. I'm prayerfully hopeful to carry it out in a two-part setting. So there are going to be two more lessons uh, to this letter of Paul to Philemon. And of course, if we need a third, we'll take a third uh, to make sure that we are rightly dividing the word of God. But of course, beloveds, this is my stopping point for today. Next week, if the Lord shall say the same, we're going to dive right in uh, to this letter. There are basically four parts to this letter that we're going to deal with, and we're going to deal with um, each one of the parts. I probably should go ahead and give that to you real quick. Um, if you want to just write them down, let me write them down. Let me give them to you real quick, and I'll put them up on the screen for you as well. Point one, the first part of this letter will be found in verses one, two, and three, where we will deal with Paul's courtesy, Paul's usual greeting, all right? The second point is Paul's compliment, verses four through seven, and then the meat of the letter is found in verses eight through 21, where we deal with Paul's counsel, Paul's dealing with uh, Philemon's issue, and then we'll wrap it up with Paul's conclusion, which basically houses a personal request of Paul to Philemon in verses 22 through 25. So, of course, beloved, as always, if you have any questions from anything that we've covered in this overview today, of course, th this lesson was a little short uh, because basically we're just giving an overview of where we're going um, in the next few weeks. But if you have any questions based on anything that we've covered in this portion of scripture, this time of sharing, by all means, please drop those questions in the comment section. And as we see those questions, we will be found answering those to the best of our ability. I am excited about jumping in uh, to this letter, this short letter, but there is so much in this short letter. There's so much that we're going to dive in and we're going to retrieve and receive from this letter. But I want you to be ready to walk through the word of God. Let's be prepared to dive in and understand and gain understanding, shall we, of God's word. As always, I'm certainly grateful and thankful to have you joining us. And I pray that you are receiving um, some vital information. Do know once again, if there is a book of the New Testament um, that you would like for us to spend time studying and preparing. I'm not going to go from Matthew to Revelation. We're going to bounce around a little bit uh, because there are certain points that I believe are helpful, not only to the church, but even to us as Christians in this present time. 
So if there's a certain book of the Bible that you would like for us to cover, by all means, drop that in the comment section. We'll see that and we will be praying and asking God to show us the next move or the next book or perhaps the next epistle, the next letter that he wants us to dive into as we walk through God's word together. Again, beloveds, we pray God's blessings upon you. Pray for our sick, our shut-in, those families whose hearts are saddened in bereavement. We're lifting them up right now, and we're touching and agreeing and believing God that all shall be well. Would you join me now in a word of closing prayer as we bring our time of sharing together to a close? God, I say thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege to share with your people. God, I pray that all that has been done and said has been found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. God, I pray that as we walk through Paul's letter to his servant Philemon, I pray that you will allow this letter to come to life to us. Reveal to us the nuggets that we need to apply to our lives so that we can be a model of Christian courtesy as we have a manifestation of Christian love and serve under a monument of Christian conversation. This is our prayer. We offer it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. As always, beloveds, be blessed, be safe. Don't forget, we look forward to seeing you Sunday in worship, uh, Sunday school, in-person Cyber Sunday School, rather, begins at 9 a.m. In-person Sunday School begins at 9.15. And, of course, Sunday Worship takes off at 9, I'm sorry, 10.30 a.m. This Sunday is Youth Sunday. It is the annual Youth Day celebration uh, this particular Sunday, this coming Sunday. And uh, we are excited to welcome Elder Danelle Jordan from the Mount Peace Baptist Church in Raleigh. Uh, she will be our preacher for the morning. Come on out and let's share and celebrate with our youth and our young people as they use their gifts and their talents to the glory and the honor of God. Until next Thursday, be blessed and know as always, beloved, we love you all.